It's time to get real with Robin. Join veteran broadcaster Robin Cote and her co-hosts, known as The Collective, as they delve into subject matters that most are afraid to talk about, but need to hear. And now, get ready to get real. Liars, tyrants, and flying monkeys. Oh my! No, we're not talking about the circus, but we are talking about narcissism narcissistic abuse, and how we can empower ourselves to no longer be their doormats. Kathleen Nightingale is a coach who specializes in helping those who have dealt with narcissistic abuse. You know, she herself has been through the trials and tribulations of dealing with a narcissist firsthand, which I always say gives valuable insight in order to help others through their healing journey to self-empowerment. And I'm really happy to have you here with me today, Kathleen. Welcome to Get Real. Hi, Robin. It's awesome to be here. And we've talked about doing a show for several years now, so we finally <laughs> managed to get this done. Yes. And you're, yes. Not, you're not in studio with me, but you're in a beautiful location. Tell everybody where you're calling from. Well, I live in the White Mountains um, at the base of Escadilla Mountain, which is now changing colors because it's fall about 25 degrees cooler than Phoenix and about 8,000 feet elevation. As an empath, <laughs> oh, here we go. Sometimes I like to be, I like to be among the elk. What can I say? <laughs> so, you know, it's like those people always talk about sometimes it's better to be around animals than humans because they treat you a lot better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, many of the empaths that I've worked with, they're definitely animal lovers because it just you know, helps your energy and it's healing. And especially if you've experienced any kind of abuse, trauma, it's helpful. I always talk about this on this show, and I said it in the intro, that people who have gone through experiences in their lifetime, if they can find their way to healing, it's always good for them to share their stories, not only to purge their soul of what they've gone through, but to also show someone else, hey, look, I've been there, I've gone through this, our stories may differ to some degree, but the experiences are kind of the same. And I'm on the other side of that. I've healed and this is what I can do. It's like that instruction manual that you're handing over to somebody else going, yeah, I'm, I'm not just a, a degreed psychologist with this degree on the wall. I actually understand and can relate to the experiences. And you've actually been down that road a few times, haven't you? Yeah, uh, married twice to narcissists, actually. So uh, hindsight's twenty twenty. I could mention that in one of my latest articles that I just put out there. Um, but yeah, we we finally learned. Sometimes we get hit upside the head by the um, cosmic two by four uh, as a reminder <laughs> to love and respect ourselves, and that's. That's the unfortunate lesson of the narcissist that really puts the empath through their paces and can really drain the heck out of them to the point where they're on their knees and they're, the, the message is it's time to love yourself. Let's just skip the love bombing. Uh, and for those who don't know, I mean, let's mention there's three phases to a relationship with a narcissist. It's idealize, devalue, and discard. So the first one, idealize, lots of love bombing. If you come across someone who's, it seems too good to be true. I mean, they think you're the greatest thing that ever lived. 
you know, massive compliments flooding your way. Um, I always say, you know, at the beginning, we've got the love bombs. And at the end, we've got the truth bombs Mm -hmm. of that relationship. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's a really rude awakening. And you look back and go, what, what the heck just happened? And you, you've, you've been through this a couple of times, and, and I've been through it as well. And I've had people come up to me and say, look, I know you're a strong person. You've been through this before. You said that you did all this work, but yet how did you end up back there again? And, you know, I'm here and you're here. We both have been in those places where we've let our heart get the better of us. And we've found ourselves back years later in another bad, toxic type of relationship and the problem is we're questioning ourselves and going, how did I let that happen? I'm such a strong person. I thought I was smarter than this. And instead mm-hmm. of, you know, I see this quite often. Everybody beats themselves up about it. And it's like, you have to understand when it comes to matters of the heart, we don't always think things through. And again, mm-hmm. it goes right back to the concept of self-love. We forget that, first of all, we have to learn to love ourselves. And if yeah. we're if we're, if we're being the target of somebody again and again and again, the common denominator is us. So I've always believed you have to take time away in order to find yourself. And it's not an easy journey to self-love. It's, there's a lot of people that think it is, but it's not because it took me till I was 52 to figure out, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm the problem because I keep attracting people. And it says, if nothing changes, nothing changes until you change and start to realize that there's more going on here, you're going to attract the same people in order to learn the lesson. Yeah, there is a lesson. Of course, I believe we're all on this planet in this school, and this is the whole point. But I want to get back to something that you were saying. You were talking about it doesn't matter how smart you are. Sometimes I think intelligent people actually attract narcissists. Um, I'm college educated. Um, I'm college educated. I've, you know done amazing work in the corporate world and then before I became who I am which is a healer (laughs) and which I always was but it's and often by the way empaths are healers uh empaths we're very intuitive we're sensitive we pick up on other people's emotions and we want people to feel better because then actually we can feel better Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes we don't even realize we're doing that, but it can turn us into people pleasers. And this is where we wear ourselves out. Um, if you've ever looked at, there's a TED talk by Anita Morjani called Dying to Be Me. And it was a near-death experience and she had cancer. And she said what she learned from it was she wasn't loving herself enough. And she talks about being an empath. So, you know, we're, we're loving, we're giving. When it comes to animals, by the way, I've come across empaths who maybe have too many animals. You know, it can be soothing, but then we want to help everybody and take everyone in and, you know, rescue everybody. And now we're exhausted and drained. And it kind of happens with the narcissist who really is wounded on the inside. Um, we People think of a narcissist as just being conceited self-centered there's way more way more to it than that there's actually a lot of you know insecurities on the inside and you know love bombing somebody else and convincing themselves that you're awesome helps them to feel better about themselves projection (laughs) yeah and after a while the cracks start to show 
and they realize that maybe you're not perfect because nobody is. So now if we devalue you, then that also, you know, lifts us up in some bizarre, insane, I always say insane and insidious kind of way. So that's kind of the pattern here, build you up, tear you down. And then by the time you're worn out and you can't take anymore, it's time to line up the next energy source on the part of the narcissist so they can just toss you. That's the discard phase and seamlessly move on to the next one because if they're by themselves, they're gonna have to listen to the own, the chatter in their own head, which is annoying, I'm sure. Yeah, I can remember my last uh, marriage. I had no idea what I was getting myself into and they always warn you that if the, you're on the first date and they talk bad about their ex, that is the biggest red flag. And we went on our first date for 13 and a half hours. We did not have sex. We met in the morning, walked down the street, uh, talked for hours, had lunch, then went and seen a movie, then had dinner and made out in my car. It was an amazing first date, but I completely forgot about the fact that he spent over an hour basically talking bad about the ex. And he had told me he was divorced. And then I found out, you know, six weeks into the relationship, my heart had already gotten involved and I had made him dinner and he calls me. And he says, well, I can't make it. I got to go to court. And I'm like, what are you going to court for? He goes, my divorce. I said, well, you told me you were already divorced. He goes, well, no. He goes, my buddy told me to tell everybody I was already divorced because we were already separated. And I just, he just filed like two weeks before he met me. And uh -huh. there's a, there's a rule that I've always looked at that you have to wait at least an, a year and a half to really get into a serious relationship after your divorce is finalized because you're still really not done. And it, you may never be completely done with healing from that. But that I spent 11 years with that person who took all of his baggage into this. And within six months, I started to see so many red flags, but I chose to ignore them. Because, uh -huh. you know, I have come to terms with it. My my husband that I was married to prior died of cancer and left me a widow at 33. And then this guy comes along three years mm. later, right? So I got cheated. Mm -hmm. I felt like I got cheated because I found the love of my life and within 17 months he was gone. I can say this now because I get it. I held on to that guy, the last one I married. I held on to him instead of viewing the red flags for what they were because I felt cheated. I lost the love of my life and I wanted that love so badly that I went past the red flags. I for I just forgot about all the bad things that were happening. And, you know, there were things like, I lied to you so that you could trust me. That's a huge red flag. But I was ignoring that because I so desperately wanted that love that I had lost. And in the end, I didn't even realize I didn't love myself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just comes back full circle. It's amazing how the rose-colored glasses can take over and we can look back now after the glasses are chucked off of our face when it's over <laughs> and the love bombs are dropping um, from various people that show up in our lives. Mm -hmm. um, you may hear stories of uh, how they were other people were hit on left and right. It's all sorts of things going on behind your back. You, again, doesn't matter how smart you are. But the stories and how uh, they're a master at manipulation and 
lying, pathological lying, and you can't, they can look you in the eye and say something that's a blatant lie and you totally believe it. And it's amazing how later after it's all over, there's friends who still can't see it and still believe the lies that are being told by the narcissist. Um, they're just a master at it. I mean, gaslighting is one of the big words that's used and it comes from a, a movie, I think back in the forties or something where mm -hmm. a man had his wife thinking that she was crazy. You know, I think the gas lights were being turned down and he told her, no, they weren't getting darker or something to that effect. And this is what happens. They have you believing that you're crazy when they're the ones that are lying. Another popular one while I'm on the subject uh, one of my personal favorites <laughs> is the gotcha game. Not really a personal favorite. The gotcha game is where they can tear you down, insult you. It doesn't matter how good of a mood you might be in. You may say, I'm going to avoid it this time. I'm not going to get involved. And they'll suck you into an argument. They'll have you so angry because they hit you below the belt with insults. So then when you finally blow and you become angry, they can look at you with that smirk and say, look at you, you've got an anger problem. Gotcha. <laughs> One of the many games that they can play that's just, yeah, I, and I wrote an article about how um, it's narcissistic abuse is the legal crime. You know, if you get beat up by somebody, you know, if you've been assaulted, they can go to jail, but you can be manipulated like crazy to the point where you think you need an insane asylum and it's not really illegal. <laughs> it's immoral. <laughs> and it's I, immoral and they can, they can really um, suck the energy out of you like a vampire to the point where you're, I, I, I often say that I felt like I was shoved into an, a dark pit, exhausted and left to, um, left to crawl out on my own, I should say. It's it's really hard at the end. And the thing I have the real problem with is the flying monkeys. And that, yes. that terminology comes from the Wizard of Oz and how the witch had her flying monkeys doing her jobs and her bidding, their, her little minions. And, you know, I've, I've seen it firsthand more now than I ever have with my own mother. And I realize what she's doing. Anytime someone will come to the house, she's done this with my brother. She's done it with my son. My son doesn't want to come see her anymore because of what she does. She will pull people into this and say, you know, Robin stays in her room all the time. She doesn't talk to me. And she just literally unleashes all this bullshit about me to the other person sitting there. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget sitting there and watching her do this with my brother last time he was at the house. And I'm like, you know, my brother's not going to fall for this shit, is he? And he finally said to her, he goes, well, that's too bad. You know, that's too bad. And I, I unfortunately can't walk away from her. If I could sever the ties with her and leave her on her own, I, I wish I could, but I can't in the present situation. So I have to make my living environment more tolerable for me. And she has come at me, negativity, blow after blow after blow, you know, the insults. She said a bunch of really nasty stuff to me a couple months ago. And I finally came to that term where I understand what this is. She's gaslighting me so that she can tell everybody she's the victim and I'm the bad guy. And I just tell her, you know what? That's how you feel. She tries to blame me for the life she's had before I was even born. And I told her straight up, I said, look, dude, 
this was your choice. You chose to marry an older man to take care of you financially, and you never did anything on your own. You can't attach that to me. You cannot mm-hmm. put that blame on me because I was not born when you did this 50 some odd years ago. And, mm-hmm. and I hold her accountable, but I also walk away from her. I don't give her the energy. And that's, that's what a lot of people don't understand. Sometimes you can go gray rock, as they call it, where you can eliminate mm-hmm. the source. But there's other times where if you're stuck taking care of a parent as I am, and you have to deal with this on a daily basis, you have to turn your back to it. And like I said, it was a it was a rude awakening watching her try to do this to my son as well. And my son and I walked outside. I ignored her. I just played on my phone while she was trying to get my son to be the flying monkey. And we walked outside to work on the shed. And he goes, Mom, what the hell is going on with Grandma? And I said, you see, this is what I'm living with. He goes, I don't uh-huh. like being around her. He goes, she's turning into a real bitch. And I said, yep, well, this is what you get when you have a narcissistic person in your life. So, uh-huh. you know, I understand that you can't necessarily get away from people, especially if you are the caregiver to a parent and they're just that way. But you can find ways to help yourself deal with it. The biggest thing is not engaging because that's exactly Mm -hmm. as you were saying, Kathleen, this is what they try to do. They want you to engage. They want you to argue and fight. They want you to defend yourself. And as much as we are human, we want to defend ourselves and we can't. We cannot allow uh-huh. ourselves to fall into that pattern of defending ourselves because honestly, they don't give a shit. They don't care. They don't really care what you think or feel. They don't give a damn. And that's the hard nope. part. You have to come to that conclusion. They just don't give a damn. Yeah, I wanted to, uh, and I, I hear a lot of women who have children who are dealing with ex-husbands and of course it's men who have ex-wives and they have children um, and that can be difficult and I always say as little contact as humanly possible so that they don't drag you back in and back to the flying monkeys comment you know with social media nowadays um, it kind of gets a little tricky because you can find people who are you don't even realize they're still supporters of the narcissist you have no idea you had no idea even though maybe they knew your story and they believed in your story and maybe the narcissist was even hitting on them during the marriage or whatever and they're still like i don't know they're still kind of a nice person um and they'll see what you're posting (laughs) like whatever and they still they see what you're posting and they report it back to them um you know if this has happened to you or if you're you know, broken up, breaking it off, which I recommend ASAP. Um, even though there's a trauma bond, we got to get, I've got an article on that as well. But, um, you know, cleaning out your friends on Facebook or wherever you are, Instagram, blocking people, just clean, clean, clean as much as possible because that's the best way to disassociate yourself. Um, you know, to get away from things getting reported back. And then they're saying, well, I heard you said that. And the whole conversation starts in again. And next thing you know, you're going down that road. You have to truly get to know who the people are in your life. And we want to be liked by people. We want to believe that our friends are in our circle, that they're not the reporters that are going back to the other people. And I've always learned that, hey, if someone's going to go out there and talk bad about me, it doesn't matter because the the real people are the ones that know me and those are the only ones that count. And 
we're so worried about how we're portrayed and we're worried about judgment. And that plays a lot into this self-love as well, because if you're working on your self-love, you don't give a shit about what other people think of you. And you just stop worrying about that. And I know my ex, we've been separate. We've been divorced seven years this week, actually uh, tomorrow, seven years tomorrow. And it was the best thing I ever did walking away from him because every day this man found a way to diminish my self-esteem. And that's my fault. I allowed him to diminish my self-esteem. And today he still calls, he calls me the narcissist. He tells everybody that I was the crazy one. And that's what they do. They tell people that because it's projection. It's a reflection of themselves that they see in you. And it's not necessarily who you are or what's going on. And again, when you're going through this crap, you do feel like you're the crazy one. I mean, I had I had him competing with me. It was like a pissing contest literally every day. I was going through weight loss and trying to work with a trainer, change my diet, be more healthy. And every morning he would walk out to the kitchen because we would do breakfast together before he went off to work. And uh, he would come out in the kitchen and say, hey, I took a piss, I lost a pound. And then he'd go back in and take a, a poop. You know, he'd come out, I took a shit, I lost another two pounds. He would do this on the daily because he knew I was struggling with weight loss and trying to get my life back, you know, get into better shape. And he would do this continuously to demean me. And it just, I never understood what was going on. And the final straw, just one day I said, look, you tie a dog to a tree and you walk by that dog and you kick it every day. There's going to be a day that that dog bites back. And today is that day. And it took me four and a half years to get things lined up for me to get out because I had to make sure that, I mean, you've been through this where they take a, uh-huh. hold, of, take a hold of you. Everything is in your name financially, but you're the one responsible for everything, regardless if you're married to them or not. And you can't just literally shove it in a box and walk away. It's not as easy. You have to plan how you can go about getting away from them. Yeah, there's a key word uh, kind of woven throughout this, um, something I wrote about validation. And and sometimes there's invalidation um, that can be not only from the narcissist, right, but from those around them, from the flying monkeys, the supporters who they've charmed, because charm is often part of their personality. And... An article I wrote on it, uh, the definition of invalidation, and keep this in mind if you, there's anybody around you who has maybe struggled in some way, and in this area in particular, um, invalidation is the process of denying, rejecting, or dismissing someone's feelings. Invalidation sends the message that a person's subjective emotional experience is inaccurate, insignificant, and or unacceptable. And I also mentioned this article I talked about on Twitter, you know, stuff has been coming out about um, Playboy and Hugh Hefner. Mm -hmm. You may have seen that uh, somewhere, I guess, on cable. Some of the former girlfriends and Playboy bunnies or whatever have come out to say basically that it was abusive. You know, people envied his lifestyle, thought, oh, what a what a hunk or whatever for living the lifestyle that he had. And these women are coming out and saying, saying, you know, it's not what it really looked like. 
and how difficult it was for them. And um, Cooper Hefner, who's Hugh's son, had said something about, and I, I don't remember the exact quote, but it was almost like they're getting revenge or, you know, he was sticking up for his father, which I know is what happens. It's kind of, it's that invalidation. So my comment, which had quite a few likes on Twitter was this, there's nothing more damaging to women who've been used and abused, men as well, than to be told they're wrong. It pours salt into an already deep emotional wound and continues to gaslight them. If a person is a narcissist, it can be difficult for some who love them to see past the charm. So I got a lot of likes on that one, but that's being invalidated. And it's kind of, it's, it's like gaslighting all over. Uh, there's so many things that we go through from narcissistic abuse and that's one of them the gaslighting it's just so so insidious because it it really does a number on your mind on your emotions on your physical energy you know it can make you physically ill and um yet there's no recourse because it's you know not direct physical abuse and they kind of fly under the radar of breaking the law. Yeah, they're not worth going to jail over. That much I can attest to. Even though we've we've all thought about that at one time or another, it's like, no, I just have to find a way to get away from it. And it is difficult to get away, especially if you're, you know, it's not just relationships, it's family. Like I said, there's there's a lot of times that you can't necessarily get away, but there's like with some of my other family members, I understand why certain family members don't come around certain people because of that whole thing. They don't want to be in a knockdown drag out fight. And, you know, even in my ex's family, one of the sisters would consistently ruin every holiday get together because she would make something happen. Uh, I got in a car accident. Um, this happened, this happened. She would always do something to get the attention because she felt like she wasn't getting the attention from everyone. So she made sure that that was happening. So again, that's another way a narcissist does it. They always want to ruin the family functions because they want to be the center of attention. And if they're not getting the attention, then they create the environment that's very tumultuous. And by the time you're done, you just feel like you went to war and now you feel like you, you're carrying this dark cloud over you, this PTSD. It's like, what the hell just happened? Dark cloud, yes. That word has come up <laughs> for me. Um, I wanted to, and also add on to when I was speaking about invalidation, the really the point to me of us having this conversation is to validate others, right? And to let mm -hmm. them know you're not crazy, you're not stupid. Um, the only thing is maybe you didn't love yourself enough and that's what I want to see changed in the world when it comes to empaths is to help them to step into their power and to love themselves and get on track in their life. And when they have that vision for themselves, then they're less likely to get sucked in by the manipulation. They can see it for what it is. 
I would attest to that as you and I were talking off air about that situation where I had recently met a person who claimed to have been in a narcissistic abusive relationship with another party and claiming they were the victim. And in my initial meeting with that person, it every red flag just like smacked me square in the face. And when I left, I felt that dark cloud. But I was so proud of myself because I finally realized, you know, Robin, you've gotten to a point in life where you can see things a lot clearer. And the old me, the old empath me would have reached back out and would have fallen for, you know, the nice guy, the guy who showed his emotions and let his guard down. But that's all part of the process. And when you begin to see how clearly things are and and you're no longer getting caught up in the emotion, you're not getting caught up in, oh, this person thinks I'm pretty. This person thinks I'm cool. They want to be with me. If you get, if you step outside of that and you start really looking at the situation, the red flags become so apparent and right there, they're the deal breaker. There is no going back. There is no forgiving of that. Um, I'm a one lie and you're done. If you lie to me once, we're not going to give you a second chance. And if I feel any of that energy that's off, I always trust that. And that's one thing I know you and I have talked about before is the gut instinct. If you're feeling you know, I don't care if this person is being so nice to you and sweet and you're just falling for it, but there's something not sitting right in your gut. You're feeling like something's just not right, but you're choosing to ignore that. Don't, don't ignore that. If your gut is is your guardian angel, it's going to tell you. Mm-hmm. It, it's like your animals. Animals know bad energy. Dogs know bad energy. Trust your dog. Your dog or your cat will look at a person and go, oh, I'm not getting near you. That's exactly what your gut instinct will tell you. And if you're feeling something's off, You have to trust that. I don't care how good looking that man or woman is. I don't care how attracted you are to them. I don't care if they're being so super nice to you that you're you're just like loving the attention. If your gut says, whoa, wait a second, something's not right. You have to trust that. Exactly. Um, Trusting intuition with a background in hypnotherapy and using my own intuition I've helped others trust their intuition because that's one of the biggest problems, as I said, as an empath and where we can get lost is not listening to that, that guidance. Some people call it the emotional guidance system and we're not following it. And then um, one thing I noticed is I had at a time in the beginning of a relationship (laughs) felt, you know, that excitement of, oh, this is so awesome. This is so wonderful. But there was also an anxiety there. There was this anxiety that was like, I don't know, something's off. And sometimes we just don't listen to that. We we keep moving forward and we just don't trust it. I remember that very well. And it's very important uh, to not pay attention to any manipulation that could be happening that's trying to push us forward when our anxiety and our intuition is trying to tell us that you know it's not right for us and it's not the right path but i do think um that there is a lesson here and i just think the narcissist brings the empath to their knees and forces them to step in their power because you can you can only go so low and you as you and i have you get to that point where you finally say you know damn it i'm gonna I need to, you know, I can't live this way. I'm going to, this is going to kill me. Um, 
And you have to start nurturing yourself and it has to start swinging the other way. So um, I think that's the, the unfortunate lesson that we go through. So you can either start loving yourself now and not tolerate bad behavior and see the love bombing for what it is or learn the hard way, hit rock bottom and then work your way up. And that's not an easy process to go through because it's always about self-doubt because you question yourself, why didn't I see this? And, you know, we talked about it earlier. It's, it's the thing that haunts us the most when we're in the middle of it, thinking, what am I doing to deserve this? Why is this always happening? And until you finally get to that point where you say enough is enough, the same thing is going to continue. And it's just going to keep getting worse and worse. And I thought... I had slayed that demon. You know, I thought mm-hmm. I had slayed that demon years ago going through domestic violence and having all those years in between. But again, I finally realized, hey, you know, you let this guy into your life. You let him create all this turmoil. He's responsible for his behavior. You're responsible for what you allow. And that's, I think that's probably one of the hardest things as a human being to realize that even though we're not responsible for their behavior towards us, we are responsible for what we allow and what we allow will continue until we make that conscious decision to change the atmosphere, to change the relationship and to get away. And again, like I said, it's not always easy. I understand that finances can be tied up in this, but I put a plan in motion and it took me a little over four years to get completely financially free of this man and be able to walk out. I lost everything. But here's the key. I got myself back. And even though I'm not living the best life I can possibly live right now compared to where I've been before, I'm living the best life emotionally and health wise. Because as you said, these things can take on physical manifestations and you become Mm -hmm. sick. And here's the perfect example. I was with that man for 11 years, married for nine and a half. I developed a very bad, bad cough at night. For like 25 minutes, I would just hack and hack. I went to every doctor. They couldn't figure out what was going on. I don't smoke. I don't drink a lot. I mean, I didn't Mm -hmm. do anything that would cause this. But every time he would leave the house and go, and we owned a business, so I would stay home and run the office, the air would clear and I wouldn't cough. And I never realized what was going on. It was because in his presence, there was such a toxicity from not really being able to speak, losing my voice, and not being able to, you know, basically be me. I was being stifled in every area possible, personally and professionally, by this person. And this is somebody who would say, I love you in one breath, and then say nasty shit to me in the next. And I'm thinking, okay, well, Mm -hmm. I'm trapped in this hell. So I developed this cough. And the day that I ended that relationship, it was done. The cough was gone. And I didn't, it didn't really sink into me till when he finally moved out of the house and I was by myself. And I'm like, the cough is gone. It's a physical manifestation of something mm-hmm. emotional and, yeah. you know, throat chakra. I didn't realize my throat chakra had been closed for so long. And that's mm-hmm. what was causing that constriction in my throat to cough. So you're very Just- right with that to say get the heck out i always like to say dis-ease uh two words is what disease is um 
And that's where my background started in mind, body, wellness. And I wrote a book called Lose the Diet, Transform Your Body by Connecting with Your Soul several years ago, which is about, you know, diets don't work. It's very conscious. We're counting calories or eating grapefruit every day or whatever. Uh, It's when we go deep and we heal the emotional stuff that everything else falls into place. I like to think about it as a wheel and you've got the spokes of a wheel and at the axle in the middle is is your emotions, your soul, your subconscious. And when you've got stuff there that needs to be healed, that needs to be taken care of, and it's not getting done, it can manifest in a different spokes. It could be obesity. It could be anorexia. It could be smoking. It could be drugs. It could be alcohol. Those are the spokes. Instead of trying to find solutions for eat one of the spokes that you're struggling with, Because you may get hypnosis, for example, to quit smoking, and then you start gaining weight. (laughs) Because now you're eating emotionally. Now we move to the next spoke. So you've got to get to the core. And I recently did a free training on on healing the source. We've got to get to the source and heal that. And then the spokes take care of themselves and everything falls into place. And another one of those spokes is relationships with narcissists. Um, I want to get back to, though, about something you were saying about really around self-empowerment and us. It's really about us. And that's one of the hardest things to look at when you're stuck in victim mode. And sometimes I pop into a Facebook group where it's about victims of narcissists and stuff. And they're all talking about they're still in the relationship and what a victim they are and how, how much they're getting abused and beat up or whatever. And... It reminds me uh, years ago (laughs) when my life was coming together um, and I went to see this psychologist, a woman psychologist, and I was telling her uh, all about this terrible relationship I was in, how bad it was, how mean he was, whatever. And she looked at me and said, excuse me, do you have the word doormat written on your forehead? It was like, uh, uh. That was a wake-up call, but that was actually one of the best things she said because it turned my life around to, for the first time, understand self-empowerment and how life is all about choices. So we can sit and complain about whether it's the narcissist or where we're living or the job that we're in or whatever it is, but every day we have another choice. And I was in uh, when I was in this narcissistic group, Uh, support group listening to these women talk about um, these men they were with and the one woman was saying I can't leave and then she came up with a huge list of excuses why it was money it was this it was that well the local shelter is full and da 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 I always say you know when you focus on what you really want some people might call it the law of attraction Or there's another saying, uh, everything you've ever wanted is on the other side of fear. You know, why are you coming up with these excuses? Why don't you make a list of the possibilities and focus on that? You know, maybe there's a 800 number hotline nationwide and there's somebody out there who's donating because they're rich and they've been through this before. You just don't know what could be out there and you've got that can help you and you've got to open your mind to the possibilities and not stay in the victim disempowered mode of poor little me woe is me i'm stuck i'm being beat up i'm whatever 
And it might sound harsh, but remember self-empowerment, again, a big part is every moment of every day, it's our choice. What choice do you wanna make? It really changes your life when you realize life is all about choices, your own choices, not about them. You can't change them. We certainly can't change narcissists. Mm -mm. Uh, they don't normally think that they need to change. Um, so forget about that. You know, I'm here to talk about you and how you're the only one that has control over your life. And you can change it when you get step into your power and realize that you can start making choices, start journaling on ideas, you know, write a list of how can I get out of this? How can I better my life? How can whatever? Um, anyway, that's my thought on that subject. <laughs> it all starts with understanding that um, we have free will. And I, I know that most situations are difficult, especially, you know, if financial is probably the biggest reason why most people stay stuck in bad, toxic relationships. And you can do something to change that. It's, it's not an easy road. Sometimes, as I said, the last time it took me a little over four years and the business that we owned allowed me to make double, triple, quadruple payments on things. And I stuck it out for another four years, which was living hell. It was hell. And it just, it happened one day where I was with him having a conversation. We were having an argument and it was very emotionally draining and I passed out and hit the floor. And I don't know how long I was down on the floor. I finally came to and he was sitting on a chair, a folding chair right in front of me playing on his phone. And when I came to, I said, how long have I been down on the floor? He goes, I don't know, maybe 20, 30 minutes. I said, did you not think about uh, calling for help or, you know, um, maybe getting down there with me to make sure I was okay? And he says, no. And when that happened, that changed the trajectory of everything because this is the man I gave up everything for. I left my career of 30 years to start a business with him. I sold my dream home to buy another home with for us because he didn't want to oh, live. Yeah. You know, I did all these things. And you know, you've been there. We give up, give up, give up, give up just because it's what our heart wants. And that day was so revealing for me. If you really loved me, you would have been on that floor. You would have been trying to wake me up. You would have even called 911 to come figure out what's going on. And you didn't. You sat on the chair and played games on your phone, just watching me laying on the floor unconscious. And it was the very next day I started going through the books. I figured everything out. And then it finally came to a point where he did something illegal with our company that I said, we're done. We're finished. I had the final nail in the coffin. I laid everything out. And I said, look, this is how it's going to go. I'm going to get my divorce from you. You're not getting nothing from me. You've already taken enough. And here's money to go start your new business. The rest of it, you're done. And it it took so much strength for me to find that place. But it was just in the act of what he did, or I should say didn't do, when I hit the floor and passed out. And it was such a wake-up call to me going, what the fuck am I doing here? Why am I with this person? This person doesn't give a shit about me. Uh -huh. I've wasted 11 years, or at this point it was seven seven years of my life with this man and it was like I should have stayed a widow but here I have to really take a look at things and I just dug into everything I made a plan and I finally got to that point where I said okay this is it I'm gonna have to sell the house I'm gonna take a loss on it but I'm not gonna owe any money 
So I'm okay with that. That's what I told my realtor. I don't give a shit what you get for this house. Just sell it. Make sure I don't owe anything. And I shut the business down. I made him put the, the business stuff in his name to get it out of my name. And I started making the moves. And that was something so empowering for me because after surviving domestic abuse years ago in my teens into my 20s and now being faced at 48 being single again and having to start over, I was a little afraid. I won't kid you, but I knew that I had to do something because I couldn't live like that anymore. And Mm -hmm. that's where we have to get to. And I know you went through that on your last relationship, your last marriage, that you had finally had enough. You, You were telling me a lot of stuff of what was going on. And to be on the other side of that, Yes, mm-hmm. I know that the work is scary. I know that you're, you may be afraid out there, if you're hearing this, you may be afraid of putting the first foot moving forward, but that's where it starts. Yeah. You have to make that choice because if you're questioning that you deserve better, that's the first place to start because if you're questioning yeah. that, then you already know the answer. Yes, you do deserve better, so why are you staying stuck where you don't belong? Yeah, that word trauma bond, uh people may be thinking, but I'm stuck. I'm in a trauma bond. Um, that's a common term because they've, it's part of the manipulation, you know, and, and one of the articles I wrote, I put a, I put an Elizabeth Taylor quote, pour yourself a drink, put on some lipstick and pull yourself together. Um, I know that sounds simple, but the longer you wait, if you're still in it, you're only going to eventually get get discarded because towards the end they will line up the next person so they can seamlessly move on and then it's there can be added things that are thrown in your face that um really pour even more salt into the wound so it's better to be in control and make the decision yourself and um not let that happen to you I also want to get back. You were talking about being passed on the floor. I was talking to a woman who, when she was married to a narcissist, went into labor. And the narcissist's husband told her to call a taxi to go to the hospital because he couldn't be bothered to get out of bed. It's kind of along the same lines. And, you know, so, this, this goes both ways because I hear the horror stories that there are women narcissists out there and, and some of my male yes. friends have been trapped in those relationships. So just so that everybody understands, I know both yes. her and I are women and we've had this happen yes. with men. But again, I, I have a mother who is a narcissist and I have male friends who have been married and divorced and some are still stuck in relationships with narcissistic women. So this, it doesn't know any boundaries. It is just... I mean, if for all intents and purposes, it is a mental illness if you really break it down to what it is, because they don't even realize what they're doing. They don't. This is just part of who they are. And for some strange reason, their brain doesn't recognize what they're doing. It's normal for them to act this way. It's normal for them to treat others this way. They don't think anything's wrong with it. That's why they call us crazy. Yeah, they don't realize, I'm assuming, hopefully they don't realize the pain they're causing unless they're really sadistic uh even more sadistic (laughs) than i'm thinking um so yeah there's there's a lot that can be said in that area (laughs) yeah it's just it's just we have to figure out you know it it, like i said always trust what you feel 
And yeah. you, and you're going to get people who are going to tell you that you're not really going through this. But, you know, get yourself a different set of friends. Go talk to somebody else if you need to talk to a therapist. Even Kathleen has groups that, you know, you can get involved with and talk about these things because there is strength in numbers. We've seen that with the Me Too movement and how, you know, Hollywood was brought to its knees because of that kind of stuff going on. But there is strength in numbers. And that as a victim's advocate, that's what I've seen is Mm -hmm. you may think you're alone, but I guarantee you there's somebody else out there that has gone through something similar. It may Mm -hmm. not be the exact same thing, but there is strength in numbers. And peer-to-peer support is probably the best thing in the world to me. I don't knock therapy because I know it works for a lot of people. It didn't work for me, but Mm peer-to-peer support is what's worked for me because if you have someone that can relate to what you've gone through, then it makes it that much easier to have that conversation and to get deep. And right. and you and I both know these conversations are not easy. They're raw. They're real. They're extremely deep. You have to basically cut open the wound and let it bleed in order for you to start going through your healing. Because remember, when you're with them, it's the hurting pain that's killing you. But once you get on the other side of it, it's the healing pain. It's not, it's going to hurt but you're on your way to healing and that person cannot hurt you anymore. They don't hold the power. You become empowered and you start to hold the power on your healing journey. And that's what's more important than anything. Yeah. You know, when I was, here's another psychology story. When I was 25 (laughs) and getting some therapy, uh, a psychologist said to me, you've been through more in 25 years than most people go through in a lifetime. And I'm 60 now. And I've had a shed load more since then that I've experienced a few marriages and other losses and things happening. And so I just, I want to share that, you know, value with others that experience and the tools that I have to help them uh, and to help them avoid the pitfalls and I have started a Facebook group for what's well, called Empaths Healing Circle and um, other things, the articles and everything to really help people to get that validation they need to start to step in their power and move forward. So so how do people find you? So this way we can get them involved and, and maybe just maybe, you know, Kathleen can help you because a lot of what she puts out there is really amazing. I mean, I've joined your group to kind of check things out. And even though I'm at the healing space in my life where I don't necessarily need to have a lot of that, it helps me grow even better as a person. And it also helps me to see what else is out there so that I can send people in that direction because I may not be the right person for them to talk to. You may have the right things. And and that's kind of why we do the show because sometimes even though it it might not be my words and my choices of what I'm talking about that resonate with you, the person that's on the other end as the co-host may say something that resonates with you in a different way. And that's kind of the whole purpose in life is we're here to live, love, learn, and teach. And I think it's very important that, you know, people understand that you're here to help. You've been in the trenches. You've done a lot of work to get out of that mindset, the victim mindset, and you've you're on the other side. You came through the dark and you're in the light. So I want people to know how they can find you because you are definitely a great resource for anybody who's trying to go through their healing journey. Well, thanks, Robin. It's like, like I said, I felt like I was in the pits at one time. So 
I can, you know, put my hand down to anyone who feels like they're in the pits and help them come out, you know, and we're stronger. Um, KathleenNightingale.com is my website. And if you're on Facebook and if you put in at Empaths Healing, you'll find the Empaths Healing Circle. I'd love to have you join us. And, um, you know, I post exercise, little exercises, simple things around self-love and healing and uh, offer, you know, meditations and various things to help people on their journey. I also offer a complimentary clarity call. Let's see where you are and where you your heart really desires to go. As an empath, and especially when we've been manipulated by a narcissist, it really throws us out of alignment with who we are, right? We lose sight. We can be so confused. Like, I don't even know where I want to live. I don't know who I am. I don't know what my purpose is in this world. So we create a map, basically, not a literal map, but a map on you've got to know where you are exactly and exactly where your heart desires to go. Because when you put in a destination, if you want to drive to L.A., you need to know, well, where is your starting point? So we look at both of those so you can get abundantly clear on, you know, where that is, uh, again, where you are and where it is you want to go. And it really helps to get the ball rolling. So any last words of wisdom, if we've missed anything that you want to talk about? Uh, There's light at the end of the tunnel. And no, it's not a train. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, just really about what can you do for yourself in this moment on a daily basis, even the tiniest things that where you're not loving yourself. And this could be something as little as, you know, feeding your animals first before you feed yourself. It's like when we're on a plane, they say, you know, if the oxygen mask drop, take the first breath. There's tiny things. Maybe you're out and about. You have to go to the bathroom and you're crossing your legs because you don't want to take the time to go anywhere. That's kind of like, I wouldn't say self-abuse, but, you know, we're not nurturing ourselves just in the littlest of ways. Um, When you really start to open your mind, you can see as an empath, especially how, you know, we're we're doing, doing, doing because we feel like we've got to help everybody else. But you've got to love you and and show yourself some self-respect if you are your own best friend what advice would you give yourself because you're probably awesome at giving advice to everybody else but you're not giving it to yourself and you're and we can get stuck in this whole doormat situation and you know we keep spinning our wheels and we just end up exhausted and then we're we're useless to anyone we can't really save the world or help the world the way we really want to if we're not respecting ourselves and loving ourselves. So do something even small for yourself. You might say, well, I don't have a lot of money to go buy, you know, the new car or whatever, but uh, it's even comes down to the little things. I'm sure you've learned that, haven't you, Robin? (laughs) Yes, I take myself out to dinner at least once a week, and people think I'm crazy because I'm there by myself. And it's like, there's a level of freedom that you have. And I work very hard at my job, and I work very hard at at maintaining some sense of normalcy in my life with all the craziness. So I do that once a week, I will go out to dinner because right now I can. And until I can't, that is one thing for me. Plus, you know, I do road trips because that's, I just take off and go somewhere for the day. 
I don't have mm-hmm. a lot of money to go traveling across the world. So I, I stay in my own backyard and I just get out in nature because nature is probably one of my biggest healers. It We don't realize just how beautiful it is to walk in the forest or to stick our feet in the sand at the beach. It is so grounding and it just kind of brings everything back into perspective and, and just as she's saying, you know, you just do one thing every day for yourself. Even if you wake up and speak a positive thought, it, it just mm-hmm. sets the mood for the whole entire day because 99% of life is your mindset. It's not about mm-hmm. what happens to yes. us. It's how we deal with it. And, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful that we finally did this. <laughs> it's been so, <laughs> we've talked about doing this for so long. So I, I really hope that, uh, you know, that I hope that what we talked about today that people understand that you're not alone. This is something that many of us have gone through. Some of us are still stuck in those places. But again, you know, start making that move to get yourself out of that toxic relationship. And even if someone says, you know, I had someone tell me today, well, it's still family. You know what? That's bullshit. Okay. If it's the family that's causing the toxicity, you need to get away from it because you don't necessarily have to be in the same space with those people that are causing that. And if it causes you to miss a family event, but you feel a thousand Mm -hmm. times better, then that's what you do. You have to do what you have to do for you. And self-love and self-care is not selfish. It's mandatory. And you come first. You come first. Yeah. And the longer you tolerate that, the more you become disempowered as far as putting up with that uh, energy draining behavior. Exactly. And delete, <laughs> delete and block are always my favorite buttons on, on social media, because <laughs> it comes in handy to get rid of the toxicity. So once again, Kathleen, I really do appreciate you being here with me today. Even though you're not in Thanks. studio, I get to see you through zoom. So it's kind of cool that we had this conversation. And I really appreciate your knowledge. I appreciate your advice. And above everything, I appreciate your friendship. Thank you. And I do as well been awesome talking with you and guys as always take care of yourself and we'll catch you next time thanks for listening to get real with robin join robin cote and her co-hosts known as the collective each week as they delve into subject matters most are afraid to talk about but really need to hear join us next week here on star worldwide networks as we continue to get real